0: You're way oh, early. Yeah. See, i just timing of You're this not, was, used it, it? Yeah, not used to it. Yeah, used to You're
1: talking over the car. Yeah, well, whatever. It is what it is. What it is what it is. I hope
0: everybody had a Merry Christmas. I you, really do. Yeah? yeah, I hope everybody had a Merry Christmas and enjoyed their time with their family. Um, there's something pretty important coming up that nobody knows. I bet no way that listens to this podcast right now is going, that's coming. What's coming? The Dakar. Yes. The Dakar rally is happening on January Except 3rd. Except it's not called the Paris Dakar anymore. It's just called the Dakar. I know. That's that's habit. That's just habit <laughs> from us talking about it so much. The Dakar is happening on January 3rd, which, by the way, is my birthday. Um, you can find our addresses on our website if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it's going to be a great birthday present. I'm going to be in, in California to learn around, but I'm going to try and pay attention to this. And one of our uh, listeners is Josh Sampiero. He's a strategist and content creator, which means he... He does a lot of copywriting, filming, shooting photos, podcasting. He's worked for GoPro and Red Bull and has over a decade of editorial and advertising experience working with these globally known brands. He's going to be there. And he's he he uh,
1: he's been at a several
0: Dakars several of in these the past. rallies. He knows this race in and out. Right. And more keenly, he's deep, deep into the Dakar and, and rallying in general, and which is obviously why we want to talk to him. But before we get that, what do you have for? For us.
1: Yes, since Christmas is right around the corner. Hopefully, wait, no, we just no, had Christmas. With oh, no. past. Well, well, Christmas is fast. Well, I hope is... you got a petrol box on yeah, your Yeah, I hope tree you did. I hope you did. Because that would have been a great gift. Yes. Well, and maybe you could still get one for New Year's. New Year's, Easter, petrol whatever. For a reason. Birthdays. New It's, a, it's a, a monthly subscription made just for the car guy and girl in your life. Every month, they send items, the latest and greatest in the industry, right there to your doorstep. I, got, I got, a, got an awesome new winter hat. hat. The hat is actually really cool. And a Christmas like shirt. the leather embossed thing. Yeah. I'm gonna wear my Christmas shirt on Christmas, which is tomorrow, which was like last week when you're listening this or two weeks happens, ago. This is what happens during I, the holidays. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's craziness. But Awesome gear. You know what's great? I don't have to buy any detailing supplies. anymore. I know they always just show, up in, just show up in petrol. boxes. Yeah, between petrol and Oberk, we've got detailing supplies. We're all <laughs> set. It's an awesome gift or just something to treat yourself to. It's always it's like Christmas morning every time it comes. That's true. You open it. You're curious about what's Except inside. Except I never get to open it.
0: Yeah. Why? Jesse always opens it and then she brings the down stuff to me or she steals something for herself. Ooh. Yeah, 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 yeah. So these so, are a great gift.
1: You know, are. birthdays, holidays, whatever you want to do. Yep. There's uh, two different levels. You have the petrol basic. It's nineteen ninety five a month. The petrol premium gets you even more gear for thirty-nine ninety-five a month. It's awesome. Check them out at mypetrolbox.com. Be sure you use the code OverCrest if you're gonna take a, a purchase there for yourself. You get six dollars off. All right. You know, I've seen some of the cars that have been on that the Dakar
0: rally in the past right you know what they all look like you know they're all just monsters yeah, for the most part Audi has something pretty sweet it's like the Audi QR I thought you were gonna say the Audi
1: like S1 Quattro no they're bringing it back group no. B
0: nope sadly no sadly no they have like uh this new SQ I I, sh- I should know exactly what it is what is this thing called <laughs> I, I didn't even name it in my in my notes here
1: it's the new Audi it's Dakar. The new,
0: it's the new Audi Dakar vehicle it's it's an SUV it's one of the the Q series or whatever okay it is a two-liter turbocharged four-cylinder, uh, which they call extremely reliable and efficient. And I know some of my buddies that run Volkswagen shops would disagree. <laughs> is this the, just their
1: standard TFSI? I'm
0: guessing it's based off that architecture. Yeah, um, they've tuned it to achieve excellent fuel economy, running between 4,500 and 6,000 RPM while producing 580 horsepower.
2: <laughs> so that's a lot out that's of that's a motor. lot of horsepower.
0: Uh, but here's the thing: this motor yeah. is only built. To run the electric motors, it is not connected to the drivetrain. Oh, really? From what I I can understand, so so it's basically just a generator, right? So they have a two-liter engine, only keeping the thing charged. Two electric motors from the e-tron Formula E car are on each axle. Cool. Uh, The total system output is 670 horsepower, so it's a hybrid. Yeah. it's well, a hybrid. No, it's, it's like a. It's, no, it's an it's elect- a EV with a range extender. Yes, exactly. that's kind of, that's kind of what it is. And I think this is this is the architecture that all electric cars should be.
1: No, yes. i disagree. It
0: should just be hybrid, pure hybrid,
1: and electric fine, either, hybrid. One, either one.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I could go either way. I don't really care as long as there's some
1: sort of. Petrol thing in there, so I don't get stranded well, somewhere. Yes, but the thing is, with a hybrid, you can actually still like w- the motor is still propelling you, so you get the acceleration. Yeah. This thing is probably just revving at a standard rev range and right. sitting there back there. Uh, going, Man, yeah, it's going on. It
0: here's the interesting. <laughs> it's thing. like a little Briggs and obviously Stratton. Obviously, you have uh, if you're running, you know, 670 horsepower, which Audi says that they're not going to be running that much. They'll probably detune it. Okay, I don't. You just don't well, need traction. Is you a just problem. don't need that much power. Um, but this obviously this battery system must have intense cooling, right? If you look at a picture of this thing. Oh, I suppose. It's got a huge scoop on the hood.
1: Okay. Just a, I'm sorry, on the roof. Yeah. Massive. I mean... Usually the roof this, scoops are just to cool n- the drivers, though. This is... Nah. Not this not one. Not this one. <laughs> they don't need that this much This thing cooling. is
0: like four feet wide and like eight inches high. It's oh. massive. It is just this massive snorkel scoop thing. And uh, guess what? The cooling system alone, not including the batteries, just the cooling system. What does it weigh... On oh, this, what to, is cool? to cool the batteries and the motors.
1: Well, there shouldn't be that much fluid in 800 there. pounds. What?
0: 800 pounds. Really? <laughs> this thing is... Okay, I don't
1: like this thing anymore. Okay, so,
0: <laughs> well, obviously all this stuff is going to be really... I like it because I see it as... I don't like to try new foods, right? I, right. I, I we really know don't. That. I don't like to try new foods, but I've tried a couple new foods recently, Uh-oh. and I kind of like them. What did
1: you
2: try?
0: I had like this lo mein chicken spicy thing yesterday. <laughs> Going way out. That was, uh, <laughs> what is that, not way out there? No. But it had like all kinds of weird peppers and, and, <laughs> and peanuts it and stuff in it. was not Kraft
1: mac and cheese with it was, was ketchup. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it, <was> <laughs> it was out there for me, man. This was there. <laughs> We go there. get like some really good sushi.
0: I'm not interested in sushi. <laughs> I'm just not. I don't want to eat. I am. I am man. I invent fire. I don't have to eat raw food. Okay. <laughs> How do you like to? your
1: steak done? Uh, medium rare. Well, why don't you like it super well done? Because you have fire. Because it tastes better. Okay, sushi tastes better cooked. raw.
0: Yeah, but I don't like fish anyway. So it's not like I'm like, well, I just prefer my fish cooked. I just don't like. I don't like the smell. Taste is like a really... We're getting way off base here. My point is, <laughs> is that I think, and I've said this many times. Yeah. Get used to it, number one. Oh,
1: you're talking number the electric two, stuff. Yeah, it.
0: This is what it is. If you want motorsport to continue, you want things like the Dakar to continue, you want Le Mans, Formula One, all this stuff to continue, it's this. Yeah. yeah. Too bad. You don't like it? Get used to it. And I think... From an engineering standpoint, this is a super interesting vehicle.
1: It's definitely interesting. It's got a four-cylinder Anything engine running. Anything that requires 800 pounds of
0: cooling capacity is interesting. Jake, two electric motors from each FE07 Formula E car on each axle. It's interesting. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Does that mean it has eight motors? It was kind of vague. No, you said two. Two motors on each axle. Yeah, front and rear.
1: Oh, so you think it's front and rear. So there's four. Yeah. Well, why don't they just say one on each axle then? I mean, if they're actually saying axle like an independent suspension, then that'd be eight, and that'd be cool, but I don't think that's what they mean.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure exactly how that breaks down.
1: Doesn't matter. Still pretty
0: cool to me. Uh, We'll talk to Josh a little bit about that. Uh, Speaking of, let's just get right to it. Let's talk to Josh Sampiero. Get him on the line to talk about all things Dakar and some of his experiences
2: out on the rally circuit. Hi, Josh. Hey, Jake, how's it going? Man, I'm a little nervous because I watched your guys' episode where you talked about the history of the Dakar, and you went so deep. I was like, huh, I didn't know that. That's <laughs> wild. That, that was like, like pre-pre-Dakar type stuff where you guys are touching on some of those yeah. like, you know, e, uh, Northern Africa rallies that have just been really lost to the sands of time. And um, yeah, that, that was cool. My, my knowledge of the Dakar is super deep. When you talk about like the last four years and sure, Rimble, but beyond that, I'm like, uh, it's a bunch of French people doing French people things. <laughs> so, well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, that was we did
1: that a couple years ago. I'm yeah, trying to even remember. We've
0: re-aired that one a couple times because it's it's something that people really really love. And I think what makes it the Dakar interesting now, obviously, it's cool, right? But it wouldn't be <laughs> as cool without the heritage and the foundation that it that it has to stand on, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like that's one of the wildest things. It's is and it, and it was like a very like organic kind of growth, you know. When these guys did it back then, there was no like massive sponsorship from oil companies or gas companies or Saudi sheiks or Yeah, they didn't have uh, satellite phones to...
0: strapped their testicles just in case, you know. It was a little <laughs> bit different.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, back then it, it was it was really really an adventure. And it still is today, just a slightly different kind.
0: Yeah, so. The entire, the entire yeah. world is much harder to have an adventure in, I think. And as things become safer and easier, it's more difficult day by day to create contrast in your life and, and, and be scared. People, people are like, oh, where do I go in the United States? Oh, I'm going to break down. Oh, there's literally nowhere in a car that you can go in the United States unless you're rock crawling somewhere on a mountain that your car would break down and you would die. It just is not going to happen.
2: Yeah, pretty much not. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and, and then you can start talking about like the crazy, crazy stuff, like, you know, like the polar exploration type stuff. And, and people have just been frigging everywhere. Um, and, and now in like the last, I would say, 10 years, we've been everywhere and we're documenting the hell out of it, man. Like yeah. every last step. And uh, I, I have to say when I, when I'm going somewhere new, where was I? Where did I go a few a few months ago? And I ended up like – it was like a last-minute job. I can't even think of where it was. That's a little sad too. But I was like, I didn't do any research. I didn't like check it out. I didn't Google a damn thing. I just landed and was like, all right, let's see what's happening. And I had a, I had a lot nicer time doing that than I did otherwise. So that's cool. Yeah, well, it's the old anyway. cliche
0: adage of are you – there where you are or are you trying to make something so you remember where you were
2: yeah totally so when
0: i was looking through your cv one of the things your your resume which i always try to get from someone before so i can have a a kind of a professional understanding of what it is that they do
2: um that question threw me for a loop man i was like uh i have a cv hold on (laughs) i don't know if i would have one (laughs) to send you I, I created one a
1: long time ago. Right, I have like, one, but it's I from stuff. ten
0: years ago. <laughs> yeah. I'm Jake. I am this tall. I wear, I wear Birkenstocks. <laughs> blah blah blah. Um, one thing that I I saw in there that I thought was interesting because uh, I'm a storyteller and I'm a writer is you, you say that you're a, you're basically an expert, right? You're an ex, a, an expert at you know storytelling and communication, and for you know clear and compelling communication is what your your resume says. Says and I was wondering what. And from a professional standpoint and your talent of what you do, what is it that uh, pushes people to do things and feel certain ways? Because if you're working for an advertising agency, which I know you do some of that, and you're working for, for Red Bull or, or um, GoPro or any of these other companies that you've worked for, they want you to write something that is going to compel the people that are reading it to do something or feel a certain way. Is there kind of like a trick to that or is there like a talent that you've
2: discovered along the way? That's nobody's ever asked me that in such explicit terms. I had one guy ax me ask me <laughs> once, um, "How did you? What makes you an expert?" And I said to him, "I just am." <laughs> and I said that, and I felt so ignorant and foolish. Now, to be fair, we were like hiking up a mountain at like a heart pumping speed and it wasn't really a great moment for me to be super introspective um lack of oxygen you know know, it's lack of oxygen a few uh, words is better that will (laughs) that will make you do some seriously crazy things um i I have a lack of oxygen dakar story which we can touch on later um the you know (laughs) If you would have got to my LinkedIn page, you would see um, a quote that I've been saying myself a lot to, to, to people a lot lately, which is content killed content. Um, and there's a lot of bad writers out there. And I'm not sure I'm a very good one, but I'm mostly sure I'm not too bad of one. And when, when brands like Red Bull or, or whoever I work for, KTM, um, come to me. Uh, I think what I actually provide for a lot of those brands is a really good mix of information and inspiration. Um, people have dreams, right? They want to go and do stuff and they like reading about things that sort of help those daydreams along, whether they're daydreams that they ever realize or not is actually kind of moot. And, um, I think I've got a knack for creating an environment where people can daydream, um, usually through understanding what other people have done and achieved. Um, I like to consider myself like a little bit of an interview specialist when it comes to digging stories out of people and then relating their experience to others within the context of, yeah, what it means in a particular sport or in the world or a race or something like that. Um, But I think that inspiration thing while also keeping it grounded in facts is actually one of my skills. A lot of people, A lot of people in the U.S., especially in the English language, you can get these like super long flowery posts about or, 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 you know, paragraphs and prose about the magic and mystique of the outdoors or the allure of the mountains. And, you know, the classic John Muir quote, the mountains are calling and I must go. If I see that fucking quote (laughs) one more time. (laughs)
1: Yeah.
2: You know, on some with with a bird on it or whatever. Right. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I, uh, I one think thing I that I think is really difficult, especially
0: I and I'm projecting a little bit, is I'm imagining this is hard. Mm-hmm. As I was taught to always serve the reader, serve the viewer, serve whoever is consuming the content. Right. So whatever you're doing, you, it's important to remember that you're doing it for them. But in in your mm-hmm. world where you're, you might be writing copy for Red Bull or something, you also have to serve um, the the company that hired you. So you're caught in between these. These two places where you want to make sure that you're giving something to people um, that's for them because otherwise they're not going to be interested in it. If they, if they feel that they're just being told something, they don't care. They're not going to mm-hmm. read it, right? And you all, But you also yeah. want to tie in what you're being paid to write. So you're in this in a little bit more of an interesting place because I write editorial is what I write. So I'm mm-hmm. always serving the reader in a way where I'm writing something that only they're going to want to be. I don't have to try and fit these pieces in like you do.
2: Yeah, it's an interesting puzzle. And, um, you know, back when I ran the magazine, so I ran a, a niche magazine in a, a, the sport of windsurfing, which is a very low participation, obscure sport that's very hard to learn and very hard to do. Um, but that was all, like, we actually had a phrase, where is the reader service in this? Reader services for every page in the magazine. It was like, what is the reader taking away and getting from that? So I, I'm really familiar with that thinking of, what you're, what you're talking about in terms of service. And with a lot of the reporting I do for, for Red Bull, um, there's not a ton of service. I, we it's not that they should close that page and go out and know what thing to buy or what vacation to book. It's much more aspirational. Um, it's also much more about uh, glorifying and um, uh, sorry, I don't speak, a, I do speak a lot of English, but I also speak a lot of German these days. Sometimes <laughs> the words just kind of like, I just mind blank. So if I just go, uh, and c- go, you know, you know, divert to the simple explanation, excuse me. No problem. Yeah, so, I mean, <laughs> Well, if you start, for, for, for start, start speaking of, German, I'll tell you. I'll just be like, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Ich habe Kopfweh, stop. Yeah. Fantastisch. <laughs> du du hast du has Kopfweh. Also, also yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. Please stop
0: speaking yeah. German. <laughs>
2: Um, yeah, it, it's it's super it's super aspirational. I would think it's and it's and it's also very much about glorifying and um, amplifying the message and story of the people that Red Bull works with. Um, it's a very, at least when it comes to the athletes, it's a very people centric brand. It's a very athlete centric brand. They always say, "Hey, we never talk about Red Bull; rather, we talk about our athletes." Um, so that's kind of a big thing. But we're we're really diverting into like. <laughs> advertising slash super interior blah blah red bull stuff
0: well uh, it's, it's in in one way yeah, you've got probably. it easy a little bit it's not like you're trying to sell um saline solution for contact lenses or something you're selling <laughs> it's it's like exciting i <laughs> hey, that you, might work
1: with the desert you know and sand that's in your true. eyes that's true that's, a, that's uh, a good point absolutely and you know so everything
0: that you're doing is kind of passion oriented and i don't think anybody is i don't think anybody's born with a passion for anything, I think people have talent for things, right? And then maybe they discover the talent later, mm-hmm. but passion is something you experience and, and something happens to you and you gain a passion for things. And if you started out doing the windsurfing stuff, I'm kind of wondering how you got into the rally thing. How, what instilled your passion for rally cars and took you away from, you know, like maybe the, the surfing world.
2: Well, it was it was a completely off the uh, off the cuff phone call I got, and basically what happened is uh, I I didn't try to land in this position. Um, I, I'd been around I'd been around motorsport not motorsports but you know, as a, okay as a college student I'd owned I think I don't know six or seven motorcycles. I started with a Honda Nighthawk 250, and I picked up a Ninja ex 500 and a Suzuki SV 650, and Blah, blah, blah. And they're mostly, you know, like junkyard bikes. So I just, you know, kind of wrenched around them. So I wasn't like completely unfamiliar with this whole world of engines and motors and motorsports. Um, I, had a free, I had a few friends who were pretty serious into off roading and stuff like that. Um, but then at like, 10 years, surfing world, I had already been doing some stuff for Red Bull and working in that Red Bull constellation. And uh, what happened was, they had a multimedia reporter who did Dakar 2017 and they really liked his stuff. It is, this was kind of like vlogging was really big back then. And there was like, you know, Facebook video was really picking up. And, uh, so they were really being quite experimental in what kind of media they were producing. Um, and he had to go do something called the Volvo ocean race during the next Dakar. So he was out and they're like, all right, well, we got to find somebody new. Um, and rather than let it all figure it out on the Dakar, which is a really, really tough race, really, really high pace, really high pressure, lots of politics, blah, 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 they said, let's send somebody to this race that nobody really knows about or worries too much about, run by a bunch of Russians and Chinese, called the Silkway Rally. And um, behind That's the Dakar is the, the Silk, Silk Road,
0: right? The Silk Road is is a separate thing from that, where all the criminal <laughs> enterprises
2: happen. <laughs> Oh y- y- yes, okay, um, just checking. Uh, well, is, is the The, <laughs> sil- uh, the sil- but the uh, yeah, 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 because the Silk Road—that's like that's like the name of like the Deep Web, right? That's like a Deep yeah, right. Web. They, that's like, what he's referring to. It's yeah. all, okay, okay. But it's also yeah. all Chinese and Russian. That's all. <laughs> uh uh-huh. I've never been. I have to say, but it's <laughs> yeah, also I like, I mean, it's, <laughs> <laughs> but it's also like a historical thing, you know? Right? right. I mean, the Silk Road was like right. an actual, you know, trade routes of you know connecting the East and the West, and that was like a thing, and that is absolutely you know where the race. Takes its name from to some degree. It's an east-west race, and so they're like they caught somebody. They, they're Red Bull's like, we need someone who can sleep in the dirt, find a story, turn on a GoPro, uh, talk to check, anyone. Check check yeah, I could do those things. <laughs> check okay, check keep. check. And I'm yeah. like, I, I, I could do most of that stuff. Although turning on a GoPro at that point was probably like the extent of my camera capabilities. I could manage that, um, and. I, I was, you know, I was a freelance uh, new father who had to keep making money to keep the babies fed. So I'm like, "Yeah, all right, sounds one sweet. of the things." You just, yes, in. I can Not, do
0: that. I'll figure it out. Mm.
2: I, I, absolutely. Um, and I, I remember I literally had to I had to Google who Sebastian Loeb was. Who's this, you know, mega mega star in France? I got a funny story about him later if you want to hear. And, I had to like Google who this guy was, and Carlos Sainz, and Cyril depre and all, all these you know legends of cross country rally rally racing. I had no idea who they were when I landed and got ready for this race. Um, ding, ding, ding. Yeah, sorry, that's
0: my computer telling me that the stock market is closed. I don't know. <laughs> why, I don't know why that's. Uh, let's just go ahead and mute wow. that USB. Yeah, sorry about that.
2: I, I was really impressed. I was like, "Holy fuck! I'm on like a real like radio talk show here. They've got like sound effects on demand." I was well, like, "Well, we do, but the arm didn't fit." Yeah, yeah, sorry about that. I was like, and then I was trying to figure out. I was like, "What? What prize did I win?" <laughs> <laughs> um, the sounding like an idiot prize. No, um, uh,
0: no I Quick yeah, so, thing.
2: Well, we'll use that
0: as an interjection. Did not knowing who these people are serve you well?
2: Uh, you know, versus everybody like
0: going in and being all starstruck and and angel eyed at these at these big stars and not knowing who they were. Serve you.
2: I think in general, yes, it was definitely better. It let me come in with like fresh questions. Not being starstruck is definitely something. I mean, rallies are in general like really down to earth places. You're all just mucking around the dirt, anyways. So even though these drivers are like, you know, hotshots, most of them are really really relaxed on the rally. Some more than others, but. Yeah, and uh, I'm happy to chat about that. Uh, yeah, so I so basically they sent me to Moscow, and the plan was we would do a 17 day No, it was 17 days was the whole trip. 12 days a rally, I think about 12,000 kilometers, and we finished in Xi'an, China, where they had these famous underground, uh, the famous underground army. That's where that is in Xi'an, China.
1: Oh, the so, terracotta
2: warriors. Yeah, exactly that. The terror. So I've been there, I've been there, and um, I I got to shake the hand of the man who discovered the underground army. Whether that was actually him or a actor put in place by the <laughs> Chinese government, I do not know. But I I did get to meet this guy, and it, it is it is a truly a wild thing. It's I mean you're like you're walking in this thing, you're just like holy shit. How many you know? How did they put this together? It's it was wild. But yeah. why, so did this, rally, why did this 2017. rally change your
0: life how did this inspire you to just want to do this all the time
2: well they kept freaking hiring me I did a good enough job okay. when, the next, when Dakar came along they maybe there, was even, maybe there was a rally de Morocco in between then, and I had a blast in the end I I earned a decent little paycheck and I had a blast uh, it is truly an adventure and adventure uh, kind of in any form is something I really love like most of us do um, I'm gonna kind of imagine. Myself...
0: So I got some notes from you about other things that yeah. you you might want to talk about, and one that really stuck out to me was driving through Kazakhstan, bumpy road, truck on fire, etc. <laughs> and I don't know. This sounds like a cross Russia kind of thing. Is that come from this story?
2: Yeah, totally. I mean, so like, I really the, the have the to et say et is when I like, think, back okay, to just. All... <laughs> When I think back to all my rally stories that get told again and again, a lot of them actually still come from that first rally. And I remember I'll just start at the beginning. So I yeah yeah I get on a plane with a bunch of people I never met, and a couple of days before the rally, someone from Red Bull had emailed me. They're like, "Hey, we have this new partnership with GoPro, and they sent us a new drone. And do you want to take it to the rally?" And I'm like, "Fuck yeah, sure. Give me the drone." So we got the drone. I'm pretty excited. I mean, I'm, I've had many drones before, but you got a new, do a new, a new toy, a new flying toy, and so uh, we get to the rally check-in bivouac, which is in the middle of Moscow. Right, you know, skyscrapers everywhere, big, scary-looking buildings, shit like this, whatever. And it's at some sports stadium where they train Russian athletes using Lord knows what of Russian training techniques. Probably. Well, we've, all, sw- <laughs> <laughs> we've all seen Rocky. Okay. Yeah. We, we know. Yeah, exactly. The, the, I mean, like, it was fully that vibe. They, like, straight out of the movie kind of set, you know, like you're really locking. And, you know, like, you have, to, like, the Cyrillic, you know, alphabet everywhere. And it's, it's just super foreign feeling and very Soviet industrial communist. Everything is, like, block building, whatever. Uh, so c- a couple of the guys are, like, uh, from the TV from the TV crew are are playing around with another drone I'm like, oh, I got the new GoPro drone let's make friends and like <laughs> yeah, yeah. let's check this thing out so we so we all kind of gather around to look at the new GoPro drone because it was a new toy and this thing is massive I don't know if you've ever seen that GoPro drone and um we kind of follow the directions we're being very responsible you know okay kind of went through the checklist everything's good it's all calibrated or whatever and I think it's up in the sky and I'm like Man, this thing is like not following the inputs of the controls. It's like, it's kind of like the drone is drunk. What's happening here? Right, it's going. Russian. What are you <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're, we're, the drone was GoPro, but we were in Russia. And then the motherfucking thing, excuse me, I cursed too much. Then the thing, just out of nowhere, climbs up, climbs up. And I'm like hitting down, down, down. I had a home button. I'm like, hit return home. And I, I hit the guy next to me. I'm like, I'm like... Look, it's not doing it. It's just going away. And then it gets up to the top and it just pauses. And then just full speed straight off into the middle of Moscow. <laughs> never to be seen again. I got <laughs> no idea what happened to this thing. And I'm in Russia, mind you. You know, like this, this drone just goes and hopefully doesn't hurt anybody or crash into the side of a building Or maybe it just keeps flying until it runs out of batteries. Maybe it flew straight to the Kremlin. I got no clue. (laughs) It was gone. The KGB think you're
1: some type of spy, you know. That probably explains the truck on fire later.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that was like my first, I think, you know, 24 hours in Russia. I just drop in and (laughs) drop a drone into the hands of, the Russian intel or something like this. <laughs> we get the rally underway, and the first bivouac is a um, abandoned, or, uh, not abandoned, but let's say a uh, decommissioned Russian military airbase. Um, a lot of a lot of rally bivouacs, like where you sort of stage, you know, each where you stage each stage, or it's kind of like set up camp, or paddocks, or workshops, or canteens, or whatever. They tend to take place on. Old airports or military bases where there's an airstrip, because you have a lot of concrete, yep. so that uh, support trucks can sort of park their thing. It's easy to organize. You have controlled entrances and exits. You probably have a helipad. Um, if you're if they're transporting stuff by plane, they have a plane runway. So a lot of you spend a lot of time at old airports, especially in Russia. Um, and yeah, and it was of course so it, the thing is just littered with all these like decommissioned World War II or Cold War era uh, airplanes just rusting to pieces, and uh, that was the first place I pitched my tent. It was under the wing of one of these things, and um, yeah, we just uh, we just kept rallying, we just started rallying. Um, what are we driving? Um, we were in a. I'm gonna have to. Uh, so most of my transport during that rally was in an old Russian military helicopter that had these, like, double-winged doors out the ass. Like, it's really wild. I'd gotta like, i have to, like, look up what the name of this thing is. Um, and when I was on the – when I was driving, I would hop in with a guy named Luc Alfond, who's a legend himself, a French ski racer turned rally driver turned rally commentator. And his buddy – and they had an old Toyota pickup – these are like super, super rich dudes and they're just driving his buddy's old Toyota pickup. Um, and what we would do when I would join those guys, we would be the first people to open the stage. So stages are made usually months, months in advance. Um, but then, you know, this 300 kilometer stage through farms and trails and wilderness or whatever changes since they made that roadbook, Right. So you have to pre-open it. Someone's got to go check and make sure that like, okay, is that danger three still there? Or is there a new danger three, 300 meters down the road where, you know, someone's going to kill yourself if they don't add a note to the road book? Um, the answer is yes, probably so always would. yes. <laughs> In general, yes. Um, there, are, uh, There's not too many, too many massive, massive changes to the road book. Like it would have to be like a major like... New presence of a danger three um to make to to warrant a change. And then that would get announced back to the drivers. They put a note in, okay, mile 237 point or kilometer two hundred and thirty-seven point five, danger three, whatever it is, blah 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 blah. Yeah. First the first time I actually ever went out with the guys on stage, um a Kamaz truck tried to pass and ignored a danger note when they did that and rolled over like fully in the ditch four wheels in the air. Like, I, mean, I don't know if you know, the trucks that race in the Dakar and these big rallies, I mean, they're massive, yep. super huge, giant things. And, um, so there's just, you know, we're just cruising along, We go around a corner and then there's one of these trucks just completely turned over in a ditch and I jump out and the video is still somewhere on YouTube. And uh, and watch as these guys kind of rig up a winch system to yank this thing out whole thing takes about half an hour and the guys literally just pull it out yank it up gets on its wheels rolls away kept racing you know like (laughs) full over that's that you think of like i
0: watch all the the russian videos on youtube where it's just some dude with like holes in his coat dirt under his fingernails just getting everything done somehow they're, they're gonna figure it out. They're always gonna figure it out whether things something's upside well, down. Well, usually he's
1: driving some like Soviet era
2: Lada as well.
0: Yeah, made with spoons, melted down spoons.
2: <laughs> yeah, we we had a we had a a, a new Lada for this year's Silkway Rally, uh, and it broke down like every day. What was wrong with that? <laughs> thing? Apparently, everything. It was a Lada. Yeah, it was a Lada. And I remember we got there. I knew nothing about them. We just, and like the, the organization gave us cars. Um, they, you know, they sort of organized a driver and cars. And uh, I kind of looked, I'm like, oh, I, I think it's all right. You know, whatever. It's got some, it's got some space for our shit. It's got racks on it so we can, you know, load up the top. Clearly a, an off-road-ish looking vehicle. And the fucking thing broke down in, like, two hours. Did
0: you have to draw straws? Did everybody else get, like, a G-Wagon? You know, the Russians. (laughs) And then you ended up with a lot of...
2: No, they had, like, a fleet of these things and, like, a fleet of drivers to drive them. And, like, half the drivers were really excited to be there, and the other half had no desire at all to be there, you know? Like, they, they were employed by some tourism agency that had maybe struck a deal with the rally, and normally like a lot of the, a lot of these jobs are taken over by volunteers and, you know, see if people really care about the sport or they want to go on an adventure. They're super happy to be there. Maybe they bring their own vehicle, but in this case, that, that wasn't the case so half of these guys were just like, you know, Hey, normally I drag people out to go fly fishing and now I got to chase all these dirty rally racers around. Well, if you ever find a lot
0: that needs a driver in Russia, I'm down. Let you know. <laughs> you know <you're> down. <laughs> I, I volunteer for that for sure.
2: I, I I truly and firmly believe you guys would be excellent rally uh driver support drivers. So uh that that job is actually pretty tough to fill in that or, or rather tough to get because a, a lot of people are raise their hand for that, believe me. Yeah, that. absolutely. Uh, but uh I will I will definitely keep that in mind. What I is the, it'd be fun to have around actually, so.
0: <laughs> How did you end up going from doing this this fun rally? Cuz this is this sounds like a gentleman's rally, right?
2: No, this from- is, I mean, it's a, no, it's a Silkway is a proper, proper rally. I mean, the factory that, yeah, that year you had all the the Peugeot factory team, Toyota factory team, okay. Um, proper, all, all the big dogs are there. Yeah. Okay. Apparently so they just don't have, I mean, as to good be do it honestly. Yeah, basically. I mean, to be honest, I haven't done any of the gentleman fun rally, um, because nobody has, because I have a family, one, and nobody's, um, nobody's been, Able to book me a, to to go for them. I'd love to do some of these smaller ones uh, in Eastern Europe or another places. Um, there's there's one in Greece, I think, called the Hellas Rally, and there's a couple other ones um, that look really cool. But most of the rallies are do I do are like you know for they're FIA endorsed four points World Championship type stuff.
0: So how uh, many yeah. races are there in this cross country World Endurance FIA certified thing?
2: Yeah. Exactly. Um, so I actually have to look up the name of the title because last year it was the cross-country World Cup and now it's a cross-country championship. And I'm going to be honest, it is not entirely clear to me what the difference is. <laughs> um, but so the, the, the big rallies are um, Rally du Maroc, Abu Dhabi Desert Challenge, um, Kazakhstan Rally, uh, Haïl, uh, Baja Hayil, which is in Saudi Arabia, um, and then Dakar Rally. Those would and, be the big ones. And Dakar and is, rally. is
0: new to, the, to that, right? I mean, that's just been added?
2: Correct. So last year, the World Cup was all those races but not Dakar. And then this year, this new championship starts with Dakar and then concludes with Abu Dhabi Desert Challenge.
0: How could this and entire event exist without the Dakar? How how it seems like I mean that is the it's the epic one right?
2: It's a great yeah, and I still personally, if anybody from the FIA is listening, why are we starting with the Dakar instead of finishing with it? It Yeah, that was my thing. It's a a race that it's a race that everybody cares about, and like that's how we kick the season off instead of finish it. It's quite. Have they not heard of foreplay? Hello. (laughs) Yeah. French things, man. French things. Yeah, Sorry. The, I got a bunch of French friends. But. <laughs> <laughs> they go straight for the dessert, apparently. That's, <laughs> there you uh,
0: go. that's kind of what it's all about. It,
2: literally. Yeah, totally. Makes sense. Why, no is, to that, me. No why is it the up. most
0: epic one? You know, why should it be last? What is it about the Dakar, the Paris de Dakar, that makes it worthy of being the last race in the whole thing? Even though um, it's not.
2: It's the. The, it's it's the history, and it's it is it is the the history, and simply the importance that the entire community um, places on that race, and the attention it get, it gets worldwide, which which in turn elevates the stakes, it elevates the competition, it elevates the effort, all of that. It's it is the most important race in the discipline. Uh, it really inspired the discipline. I think the discipline existed to some degree before but this race really defines it um it's the race that matters so how would you
0: compare it to something like uh the 24 hours of Le Mans which is another endurance race that's kind of held at the pinnacle of on-road racing
2: totally um I would say the Dakar is they're both incredibly hard the Dakar is not quite as hard, but for basically 12 times as long. I mean, in general, some of this, it's not uncommon for the guys to spend 8, 10, 12 hours a day in the car between the liaison and the special stage. And a good three to seven of, of those hours could be you know, off-road at speed, which is incredibly physically taxing. Not to mention, they're navigating. And that's the thing with Rally Raid. In case, so in case in case people who are listening don't know how Rally Raid works, they don't have a GPS. They don't have a map. They have a road book. And they're they're at a start line, and the road book says, go hunt 400 meters and bear slightly right. And after 300 meters, uh, hook Overpress. a left around a big rock. Yeah. Just like, and and, and so on for like, up to 500 kilometers you and you never see a map that gives you per- perspective of where the finish line is you just see the next note and if you screw up one note then you're going to screw up the rest of the note so it's a constant constant root finding that that um that's that's maybe the biggest part of the race you know root finding at speed navigating at speed and and of course you know you got people in front of you laying tracks that helps hugely maybe there's even someone who's dust you can follow that helps
1: yeah but um, you want to be the guy but, laying the tracks you want to be the guy in front <laughs> so the goal is to not, not have it, that well it's time it's <laughs> not, short of, not but it's no, time not, it's stage not stage not
2: always exactly exactly so actually you can win a Dakar rally without ever winning a stage uh-huh. and the penalty for the 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 prize let's say for winning a stage is you open the next stage And that means you have to do the navigation. So if you open a stage, you're going to navigate and you have to go slower and figure it out every turn. Whereas the guy behind you who sees your tracks, he's going to gain a minute on you every 100 kilometers or 200 kilometers. He'll gain a minute. And the guy behind him, he's gaining two minutes. And then so they're all chomping at you from behind. Um, So it's a bit of a strategy where you don't want to win every single stage per se. Um, On the other hand, you also want to you know, finish the stages as quickly as possible because it's a, it's a stage rally. It's a timed rally. So Chris and I have never done strategic.
1: Yeah. Chris and I have never done any sort of like competitive rally together. I want to, but I have a feeling you wouldn't have the patience to like strategize Chris. You'd just be like hammer down all the time. Keep going. I won't slow down. I, well, that's just, you only have that perspective because
0: I can drive forever. That's the only reason you have that perspective. <laughs> what you're talking about is
2: yourself. But that's a good that's a that's a great rally skill, let me tell you. Yeah, he, Jake is i right. the one Iron that man. doesn't
1: have the, the I can, patience. I can just drive. I can just drive yeah.
0: and drive and drive. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter. 12, 14, 16 hours. It's not a big deal. I can just do it. I don't for some reason I don't get tired. I just I just go. But you're the one that's not patient. I could do it. I could be patient. I could figure it out. I can plan no problem.
1: Don't so then I me. should be doing the driving and you should be doing the navigating then.
0: Yeah, well, I disagree with both of those statements. <laughs> but, um, so what are some of the biggest challenges that a driver is going to encounter uh, on this race? I'm just looking at a map. I mean, I'm looking at a map of just like Africa and France and Paris and stuff. And I'm looking at like Morocco and Algeria and, and uh, Marita- uh, uh, Mauritania. I don't, I've do never even heard of Mauritania. I've clearly, you've got to drive across it. Yeah, yeah so yeah. what, what, what are mean, some of
2: the challenges going across this continent? I mean... Uh, just to interject since since the terrorist attack of 2008 yeah, it no longer
1: race in africa since South America um now. oh my gosh okay, no 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 no
2: okay. no 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 you're 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 two years uh, you're two years too late oh well, 2008, now where is it? 2008 uh I think was it eight yeah that's right terrorist attack very sad um I believe three or four members of the pre-scouting team the reconnaissance team were killed and there was uh, terrorist threats made to the rally organizers, like candidates. only time the thing has been canceled. They moved to South America. We did 10 years in South America. They had some incredibly epic races. I was there for the last two of those. And in the last two years, we've been in Saudi Arabia. That's right. Which is uh, a stunningly beautiful place. People think Saudi, they think sand and oil rigs. And there is that. There's also completely wild scenery that you would not believe exists in saudi arabia it's it's really stunning
0: yeah when i think of saudi arabia i think of giant pearl towers and then i see dudes on with toyotas drifting with their feet on the ground hanging out of the car that's or doing I, like
1: the two-wheel thing yeah doing the, that's <laughs> what i think when
0: i think of car culture in saudi arabia or supercars but you're saying it's it's yeah. uh, it, it's beautiful
2: as well Yeah. Now it's, it's worth looking up. I mean, check out, if you check out some of the footage from last two rallies in Saudi, I mean, there's some incredible, incredible terrain, you know, very 3d, like lots of mountains, lots of like big plateaus, steps, ravines, all this kind of stuff. You know, it's not all dunes, even though rally rate is very much about racing in the dunes and desert racing. You know, there's also a lot of other stuff too. So So it's from what point to what Um, point now? This year we start in Jeddah. No, 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 excuse me. We, we fly into Jeddah and that's where sort of like the rally headquarters will be for scrutineering and all that yada yada we liaison to Hayil which is a uh, northeast and the race starts really in Hayil a couple of days to Riyadh capital city and then some big loops down into the empty quarter um so that's big dunes heading towards like Dubai Abu Dhabi sure. um classic big dune debu- desert racing and then we loop back to Jeddah and finish in Jeddah, which is sort of like the coastal city of Saudi. Yeah. Hey, so we're what really t- hoping that we see some new countries soon because that's always one of the appeals of the Dakar is that like right. you go country to country. Um, but Corona has made that incredibly difficult, so um, it's it's all in Saudi right now. Yeah.
0: Yeah, the world is an go increasingly difficult place to have fun in for sure. <laughs> uh, for, yeah. for sure. So. This must be an a like just monumental task logistically to put this race together. What goes into you know getting everything dialed in to get everybody out there and do this?
2: Um, Poof! From what angle do you want to answer the question? Uh, Our our, our, our television team, or well, uh, to give you an idea of uh, of what kind of logistics operation this is, um, so I think there's a thousand people racing. So that's co-drivers and drivers and co-drivers, and then motorcycles. So there's a thousand racers. So imagine that for each of the and half of those are probably you know factory teams, and or you know proper operations. Uh, So for each racer, you've got maybe two or three mechanics logistics guy, team principal, team heads, yada, yada, yada. So, I mean, basically there's like three to maybe 5,000 people on the bivouac, which is basically a giant moving city that gets set up every day. And um, they actually have two of these bivouacs with like two canteens, two cafeterias, two medical tents setups, two offices, two race controls things. And they leapfrog from bivouac to bivouac. So you go and you build this, like, it's not like Burning Man, right? They like show up, there's nothing. And then, right. like, the next day, boom, there's a friggin' city there made out of tents with less drugs uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> and more clothing. <laughs> <laughs> well, although if you're thinking from a marketing perspective, thank, I mean, if you want more people, there, there to you go. Are. Nah. Nah, (laughs) I I would tell you, you do not want to see your average mechanic. I don't care what team they're working for. Let's just be glad that there's plenty of, there's more clothing than your average Well, surely there's some all-female teams
0: out there in today's day and age.
2: There are increasing number of female drivers. Um, All-female teams is really a rarity. I don't think there's, I can think of a couple of teams that have female mechanics, but it's really not many. Uh, not there's. I mean, I, I would say like the male to female ratio on the bivouac is probably about eight to one, male to female.
0: Not good. Not good at all. So yeah. the so as, mean, a, as a content creator that's you know going out there and doing this stuff, uh, it's got to be hard to keep up. Like how do you how do you cover this event? How do you move from place to place? You know how do you hunt down the uh, the great content? It must be nearly impossible.
2: Yeah, I mean. I literally just had this conversation today. You basically come to terms with the fact that you're always missing something and you're always sort of rolling the dice on like, okay, I think something cool might be happening here then. Um, so I'm going to be there and try and stake it out. Um, and you do that and you do that and you do that and you get good content. And then you're just walking along, cruising around and out of the corner of your eye, you see something happening and you're like, what the hell and you go over there and that becomes your best content of the of the entire <laughs> event that's basically how it goes um this is you know what i can't talk about here is something a phrase that we always repeat we uh, uh, a lot of the people i work with especially the KTM team um, the KTM motorcycles who's they've won they've lost the last two dakars to honda and to Honda both times, but prior to that, they'd won 18 in a row. Um, they always talk about the rhythm of the rally and kind of like you do on a, on a long multi-day road trip, you kind of settle into a rhythm. Uh, and it's different for whoever you, whatever your job is on the rally, you know, whether you're a mechanic or a media guy like me. So but for me, my rhythm is I tend to wake up and if there's we're at a bivouac, right? And if I, I'll probably wake up early and maybe some of the racers are heading out onto the course. I might go grab some quick moments or interviews, B roll, whatever, before I figure out, hop into my transportation for the day, which will bring me to the next bivouac. If it's convenient to stop at a start or finish our our service point along that drive, we might do that just in case we find a cool moment to get some content. But generally, we'll want to get back to the bivouac quite quickly because most of the story acquisition happens at the bivouac, right? Out on the track, it's a a 300-kilometer or 400-kilometer, however long this track is, and the guys are flying by at 150 kilometers an hour. I mean, you just see them for like two seconds, It's like you sit at Yeah. Yeah and, and, and like like the photographers, right? The photographers get like some information about where they're gonna go. They have like a couple of GPS points for photos or something. And then they go there, and then they will spend you know a couple hours like hiking around and checking that fucking bush to put in the foreground and looking at this and, yeah. guessing. Yeah, now that you're the talking my language. <laughs> I'm listening. Tell me all the secrets. Uh, the, the, the photographers have a, the coolest job, and you should watch a YouTube video I made uh, twice. I, I've done this video twice, two years, I think seventeen, no eighteen, 2018 and 2020, where we really like study what the photographer did, and I spent a day with them. You call and it so the, the photographer's they, like, hunt. Yeah, totally. I mean, because so they get so, – so the actual track, where the track is, is super highly protected information, right? Because if, if a team, a racer, can find out that, oh, like I know that these five GPS points are on the track, they can start piecing together parts of the track, right? They can have somebody in their workshop hop on Google Earth and be like, okay, keep these four things in mind. That's why
0: you when can, I look up Dakar Rally map 2021 or 2022, you get it looks nothing. like it was drawn by a four-year-old <laughs> with a and there's no information whatsoever.
2: Exactly because because the information is the race. That's it. Right. That's the the navigation of the race. So for the photographers, they have to play that game too. That that information is protected also from them. So they get a road book. Um, in some cases, it's the same, same road book as the actual racers themselves get. And then they have to use that road book to navigate to where they think are going to be the best places to take the photos. And um, the guys, you know, the really good guys who, you know, they, they'll leave, oftentimes they leave the night before. They'll have a general idea of where they're going. So they'll go there the night before, camp out, sleep in the desert. You know, this is maybe two, three hours away from the bivouac. And then in the morning they hop into their truck and they open up the road book and they start scoping out and they figure out where they're going to go. And so is this book like timed,
0: stock. like it, it, like a mission impossible type thing where it's, you know, it, it opens up at a certain time and then self-destructs afterwards. Like how is this, <laughs> it, is it electronic? How is this route
2: book sealed? The, the new road book, the new road book for the drivers is now electronic and it's exactly that. They, okay. they will have a, um, and this is only like the last, couple of years where they've been testing this and now i believe it's completely rolled out on the whole rally maybe not for the bikes yet i have to check um but so they have a tablet uh in in the car in the navigation and well i think we'll cover this um at some point Uh, we have covered it already in some of the various media output of red bull but i'd have to really dig to figure out where that is yeah point is yeah they, it will open up. They get access to that about 20 minutes before the race starts.
0: That's pretty so much how we you. did our rally this year is everybody showed cool. up at the start point, And then you basically don't get the route until we say it's okay
1: <laughs> because you don't
0: want it to be ruined. You don't want to, for us, it's a little bit different. We don't want to ruin the surprise, right? We don't want to ruin the surprise. We don't want people to know where we're going. We don't want yeah. the authorities to necessarily know where we're going either. So it's all kind of kept under, under lock and key.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah totally. So these photographers are
0: just in a tent, just out in the middle of the desert, hoping they're in the general vicinity of where something cool might happen.
2: Mm, No, uh, I wouldn't say like hoping they're in the general vicinity. Like there's like the, the organization will give them a GPS point, be like, okay, you camp here and in the morning you'll get another set of GPS points. Okay, And that will take you to this point on a road book, which you already have. And then from there, you can follow the roadbook notes to go on to the actual racetrack itself. I mean, and they're so just they're, they're pirates, on the same racetrack It's just like a treasure map. Yeah. yeah, it's cool. It's super fun. I mean, it, it's a total brain game too. You know, and like until you get it wrong, and you're being you know paid a day rate of a thousand bucks a day or whatever to get the fucking incredible photos, and you can't because you are in the wrong spot. And then you're like, fuck, I gotta, yeah. Exactly. Figure out the right spot. Well, there's always
0: Photoshop. Yeah. You can always Photoshop the cars out in the desert if you
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: just to take a picture of each car and then a couple dunes yeah, and yeah. just ah! yeah. and figure out, yeah. it,
0: mainly put it together. So this yeah. stuff has got to be really hard on their gear. I just imagine all the sand and the cameras and, and drones, everything. Not good.
2: Hold on, hold on. Let me see if yeah. I can. Keep asking me questions while I'm looking on my phone here. I'll send you a picture of a. Uh, this wasn't even from a up. all. Oh, hold on. It's only gonna take like two seconds. I'm already. No, that's okay. Oh, right uh, yeah. Hold on. Okay. Are, are you are you guys both sitting in the same room? If I yeah, send sure. this to you via. Can I send it via WhatsApp or iMessage? What's Just better? Just send it to my iMessage Just send it to my okay. phone. Okay, All right here. Yeah. So this was not a rally, but this was at a test. And this was a uh, a brand new camera sent directly from Canon to my friend Martin who'd had it for about twelve hours. Is it gonna go? Go. Deliver. Oh my God. <laughs> and so what, this, what happened? What happened, it, what happened to this <laughs> just thing? And dude, dude that's like that's like that's like that's like ten thousand dollars of camera right there. You're looking at ten thousand dollars right there for that body and lens. And, and what so happened to just was, to
0: explain everybody what we're looking at, it looks like a, like a one D series that is yeah. destroyed. Literally destroyed, no longer, probably, yeah, not functional. We're going to go with not functional, just destroyed. How did this happen? Oh, my goodness.
2: <laughs> well, this is much to his embarrassment. Um, what happened was we were at a, we were at a test for, uh, I think, for Toyota. Yeah, we were, we were at a, no, 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 Mini. We were at a Mini test. No? God, I don't even remember. We were, we we're at a freaking test for a factory team in Poland. And uh, we realized that we were part of, uh, on the side of a test track in a way that when they turn, we were parked in the outside of the turn, right? So you always have to think of like where you're taking your photos from or where you're parking your own car, your support vehicle. Where are you the rocks to going to
0: be thrown at you from, basically?
2: Yeah, or if they come in too hot, where are they going to, you know, how are they going to exit <laughs> their intended path? I'm, oh, I'm, right. I'm not even joking too, you know. I mean, you yeah. really have to think about that. And I've seen some stupid shit happen. Yeah, we've um, all seen Group B where everybody gets run over. Yeah, we've seen it. Exactly, that. exactly. And so we, we were kind of like, uh, we're not really parked in a good spot. Uh, they're coming. We got to move. Okay, come on. Move with the car. Move the car. Move the car. So we, he hops in the, our, our, our service truck, quickly moves it and gets out to go get his shot. He's like, hey, where's my camera? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> and he's looking, he's looking. He's like, fuck. <laughs> and, and, and I'm like, you ran over your camera, didn't you? And he's like, God damn it. Yeah. Anyways. Oh man, this was bad. Oh, though. No. That was bad. That was well. Bad. I just, yeah, even he, just
0: not even that, but just the the elements have to be hard on everything. Yes. People. Yes. Um, I mean, where do you go to the bathroom out here? Even you're in the middle of the desert. I guess the entire world is your bathroom at that point. Well, it's your litter box,
2: basically. Well, no, yeah. <laughs> okay. Funny story number. 17 coming up in a minute. I mean, so on the Dakar itself, I mean, like that that like big 5,000-people city, like you have porta-potties. You have real toilets. You have toilet trailers. You have shower trailers. Right. Um, I would say none of it's high class. But, I mean, like if you let 5,000 people poop and pee wherever they want, you're going to have a problem pretty stinking quick. Yeah, that's not great. Um <laughs> On the actual rally, yeah, you occasionally just, you got to go wherever you got to go. So that Silkway Rally of 17, um, Sebastian Loeb, he crashed out in, I don't know, stage 8, 9, 10, somewhere. He was doing really good, but bailed. had to, had to bail out towards the end. And uh, his co-driver is a really funny guy, and his name is Daniel Elena. And he's kind of like this, you know minor celebrity in France. Uh, I think he endorses like a champagne or... A, no, no, no. Um, what is that French drink that they do? Uh, licorice tasting kind of things. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, absinthe? Yeah, but there's like a milder version that they call it. <laughs> <laughs> I have no it's idea. not quite like absinthe, like where that like, you know, like uh, toxic green You say licorice color and I is. just
1: think Jägermeister, but that's clearly not French.
2: No, 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 no. Whatever. Point is he's like he's like a spokesperson for this booze. And um and so he's friends with this other guy, Luke, the former ski racer turned, rally driver turned rally commentator. And it's like the end of this Silkway rally, which is a little bit more low-key than the Dakar. And since Daniel was out of the race because luke crashed out, and um they had nothing to do, Luke and and Daniel were like, hey. Let's just have a little picnic in the desert, in the dunes and watch, watch the actual race. You know, we're going to go spectate the race. And so spectating these races is super hard. That's one thing a lot of people don't realize. Like, how do you watch this race that takes place over 200 kilometers, Mm -hmm. you know, on the other side of the world? It's very rare it's to like go out and be like of NASCAR. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literally, literally, and, and and this is also one reason I think it's struggled to find traction in America is it's you know you you just can't see this thing. You just get a few snippets of TV programming shot from a helicopter. Um, so occasionally, you know, when you get a chance to go spectate, you do, <laughs> and so and the guys are and Luke is like, you want to come with? And I'm like, fuck yeah, man. We're gonna go out and drive around to the dunes and it'll be super cool and heck yeah and. Now, this was like day 10 of the rally, and by day 10 of any rally in a foreign country, it is not uncommon to accumulated some digestive issues by that point in time. Well, I'm imagining (laughs) you're not eating at, you know, the regular foods that you're used to. Yeah, and just, you know, different water, different gut bacteria, who knows, whatever. You just kind of whatever, you just live with it. And I'm going to tell you, there's a bunch of things in my backpack, and one of those things in my backpack is toilet paper, because you never know when the urge is going to hit you. So, point is... (laughs) We get out, we drive out to the rocks. We've been driving like three or four hours just to get to somewhere where we can see the race. And uh, we get there, we park the car on the dune. You know, you park it You park it pointing down because you, you, you always want to exit by going downhill. And it looks super rad. I think the sun was kind of coming up. You see the car very aggressively, the truck angling down the dune. And the guys kind of go and find a spot to like hang out and wait for some of the racers to come by. And I'm like, I got to take a fucking shit. Bad. <laughs> no big deal, right? I grab my toilet paper and I kind of, they're on one side of our truck, maybe, I don't know, 100 meters away, not a little bit less. And I just kind of, you know, get in the shadow or behind the truck and uh, kind of, and there's, it's just sand dunes, right? There's nothing, there's no trees, there's nothing, just sand dunes. I just kind of like put one hand back against a dune and dig my heels in and get down to business. And except as I did this, a little gust of wind knocked the toilet paper over, and it just started rolling down the dune. (laughs) I'm I'm sitting there, you know, having just, you know, expelled the contents of my guts into the sand. The toilet paper's just running away. So I just start fucking crab walking down the dune, trying to like catch this thing catch this thing and it's you know, the toilet paper's just fl- and it's windy you know the desert's just going and going and going I'm like, I don't want to get like poop all over my clothes because they're the only clothes I got and sure enough I have to like cra- you know, crab walk out from behind the truck and after like 10 seconds of that the guys spot me and this random French guy who can't he, he doesn't even know my name and he sees this and he just loses it and he's pointing <laughs> and just laughing and go mierda mierda I don't know it's just like shit in random ass languages and so i mean like what are they gonna do help me no and so i (laughs) finally got a hold of it i wiped my ass no way no way i'm gonna watch you crab like all the way down to the bottom yeah and so now this is this is not really actually the end of the story so i managed to do this clean myself up we all had a nice time nobody actually gave me that much grief for it you know whatever who cares happens you know we ate some fancy french pork product taken out of cans and drank this uh uh, that's interesting fancy pork product okay that's because those, those yeah,
0: that's called spam and there's something yes. about spam. no 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 fancy. no
2: no it's um it's another uh it's a very french thing and they have this like sort of like pork thing what is it less spam <laughs> <laughs> very funny i have like to look it up but i just i've just i just forget words man i forget words and so that was the end of the day we had a beautiful day but now, anytime this guy sees me, he's got no idea what my name is. He doesn't, he, I don't think he really knows what I do. He just knows I'm some dude at the rally, but he can't forget this story. And he just sees me and he goes, ah, you with the shit in the toilet paper. <laughs> this is like five years now, later, this, you know, this rally co-driver and that's it. I'm just the guy with the shit in the toilet paper to this dude.
0: Well, you could be known as well. Maybe not. And I was going to say you could be known as worse things,
2: but that's. I mean, that's. So if you are going to be notorious we're... about something, at least it's funny. <laughs> and and thank God it was only this dude, and I, I don't know. I don't think he shared the story to too many people. But I, I would yeah, have loved to seen beautiful. a
0: photo of the silhouette of the car and you.
2: <laughs> just just crab walking down the dune, man,
0: oh, and just yeah. toilet paper just somehow rolling. Just, just beautiful. I am I'm imagining brilliant. it. Just black. It's just. The silhouette of a man alone in nature would have, would have been really, really good. So you talk about this 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 race being notoriously hard to watch, and I think you're right. And even yeah. and the American market races, is yeah. notoriously hard to tap to get anyone to do anything. I can't even get people to click a link on Instagram, let alone get them to turn on their television to watch something. Uh, why do you think it's so hard? Is it just that you can't see everything all at once,
2: or what's the deal? Well, it's super complicated, um, to understand in terms of like, you know, I would say it's comparable to like F1 and to like understand like who's actually winning at this point in time and how and why, you know, cause they don't, you know, and, and there's very little like head to head racing where like two guys leave a start line at the same time and are battling for a finish at the same time. It's time to stage racing, um, It always takes place in super far away places at super weird times of day for American audiences um, with drivers with French names that they've never heard of, you know. We had Robbie. Robbie Gordon has made a few attempts. um, But other than him, we haven't had like a really big American racing name. Does uh, Ford or Chevy
0: or anybody like make a go at this as a factory team?
2: I think they had some factory teams like, Back in like the late '80s, early '90s, that would bear some research. But now that I, I don't, right now, no, definitely not right now. I don't. We think need Rivian any... to
0: step up. This seems like a Rivian. That Ooh, would be right, so cool. Go.
2: Well, that that would be super rad. The, uh, this year, one of the interesting stories is is that Audi has entered a. I'm gonna be yeah, careful how we talk how about it's, that
0: thing a little bit before we had you on in our in our intro. It's yeah, uh, and it's, so that thing's incredible. It really truly yeah. is.
2: It's an alternative, uh, and I'm checking the uh, the official documentation because I have the official documentation in terms of how to speak about that. And they're calling it an alternative <laughs> drivetrain. Um, and basically what it is, is they're using a, a combustion engine to keep a battery charged, which then uh, drives four different motors, each attached to each wheel. Um, it seems
0: like this is the technology that we should be chasing honestly.
1: EV's great, but this type of thing seems... Well, and what's great, it's not even a hybrid, as you'd think about it, because like you said, it's not direct drive to the wheels.
2: Correct. It's Yeah. I mean, the the wheels are driven by electric engines. The only reason the combustion engine is on there is because they can't solve the battery weight problem to do 700 kilometers on a single charge at high performance levels. It's unlikely that that will ever happen
0: at high performance levels regular car sure yep. no problem but flat out nah that's a, that's pushing it yeah.
2: i don't know i'm really curious to see um they brought in so audi has brought in um the team principal from x-raid who's a guy named sven quant um and he is like a super impressive guy and i really like this guy he they, so mini has won like the last two cars. they have a you know, a history in the race, and he really knows how to run a team from a logistical and technological um, and strategic standpoint. And so, I mean, they're really making a serious bid at it. And uh, we're really curious to see how the car, car does. And I was, unfortunately, I didn't get to join them for the test because there was other races happening during the tests, And so they sent me to the races rather than to testing. Um, but I heard from some of my buddies who were on the, on the tests that the car was damn impressive in tests. So
0: yeah it, it looks cool too i i don't see a lot of this stuff and i can't relate with it it's just even this thing's a little bit unrelatable just in the way that it looks but it definitely looks uh looks the bit it looks aggressive it looks mean we'll see we'll see how it does i wish audi the best of luck i hope it has a ton of success because i like the drivetrain concept a lot i think it's really yeah. cool
2: yeah now it's super cool it's super interesting and i like you know you know if racing has always been about bringing r&d you know out yeah. into the real world and out of the lab and into really harsh environments and this is one um, it's cool to see them do that and it it's a risk to do that r&d out there you know it's a super super harsh environment on a very public stage so i'm i'm cool i think it's cool to see that happen and i'm super excited
0: yeah cuz they could fail i mean they could really go down in a flaming fireball of embarrassment with something like this
2: i do not think this will happen not I, not with Audi. <laughs> not with Audi. I mean there's really you no know, but there's there's obviously risk. S- I, I there is there is risk. It is a it is a they are taking a um untested car into a harsh environment. Simple as that. We're really i I'm really curious to see how it goes.
0: No. So this uh this race starts on the third. Um this episode comes out on the thirtieth. So that's in just a few okay. days as everybody's listening to us. The race starts. Oh man, how can you guys people... are
2: Go ahead. No, no, no. I yeah, I <laughs> I'm just sitting here two days before Christmas and realizing in three days I'm hopping on a plane to fly to Saudi. I, I think I can <laughs> leave on the twenty seventh. Yeah, yeah, that, I mean,
0: that is. It's it's soon, man. You you better get on the ball, man. It's 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 happening. Where can people find out where if they want to watch? And I think everybody should give it a shot. You know, taking a look and seeing if they can follow this. I think it would be interesting. Where can people do that?
2: Um, I'm of course biased, um, because the people who pay my bills, Red Bull have produced a lot of content around this. That said, I do think it's, and they should be rewarded for that. I
0: think that's, they should
2: be, um, uh, so Red Bull produces a show called Dakar daily, um, which is available globally. There's no, uh, like, um, uh, uh, IP restricted, um, like zones or something as far as I know. Um, okay. The and, and then, depending on where you live, uh, so I think in the US, I believe CBS Sports covers it, um, but not to, to my knowledge. I, I, I've never watched their coverage because I'm always on the rally, but I know they have a team there and I think they do bring it up on, on CBS Sports. But I think if you really want to dig onto the, dig into the rally, you got to get online. Um, and I would follow the official channels, you know, the official social channels of the Dakar rally, um, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, um, and then the Is official. Is there anybody Rundle... I should be paying
0: attention to other than this Audi thing, which sounds really interesting. Is there any like Cinderella stories or anyone, any drivers or teams that I should try and find and pay attention to what's going on?
2: Nasser al racing for the overdrive, uh, Toyota Gazoo factory racing team is one of the best drivers in the world. And he has one of the best co-drivers in the world. He's probably my pick to win the rally this year. Um, Especially depending on what happens with the Audis, because his two main competitors, Stefan Peter Hansel, a 14 or 15 time Dakar winner and Carlos Sainz who won, I think two of the last three years, they're going to be driving that Audi, which is a pretty untested car. So that's kind of one storyline that's happening right now. Is there any anyone um, else that's
0: even come close to running a drivetrain like this Audi has? Is there anything out there that's anything like there this? Are,
2: there has been a couple fully electric cars that have done the rally under modified specifications. Like I think they were able to swap batteries and stuff like that. But I would have to like check my research on that. Um, what exactly happened there?
0: Okay, so we're still so. kind of in the infancy of this yes, type of racing, exactly. which, to be to be honest, if it doesn't transition to that it's over so it has to be able whether you like it or not whether you like EV or hybrids or in this stuff whether you like it or not this is happening you want Audi to succeed right now you want them to do a good job because it means that there's a future for this motorsport
2: oh absolutely absolutely and the race is committed to I believe going to hybrid vehicles oh, God I have to look up exactly what phrasing they've used basically they're committing to you know evolving, away from pure combustion. Um, yeah, yeah, blah, 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 all the, all and, the marketing and speak and that goes around into, that. T- into 2027. 20, um, and it could, because, you know, they know it. It's, it's true. They
0: right. have to. And for if sure. we're, you know, like yeah. you said earlier, if we're te- using these things as test beds for stuff that goes into yeah. real cars, then it has to because all the real cars are going to be the same way. It's it's Absolutely. inevitable. And, and
1: that's what makes racing interesting in my point. It always used to be that the, you know, racing on Sunday was your test bed for actually building things that make it into production. And you look at like Formula 1 today, that's part of the reason I'm not interested in that is the technology is so far removed. But now that we're having mm-hmm. kind of these new drivetrain technologies,
2: I think there is definitely going to be a trickle down effect. I mean I would say like for sure. I mean if if you're if you're a if you're a car manufacturer one thing that you you build for is you know hopefully longevity and use in real world conditions and nothing nothing beats up a car as quickly and as badly as this kind of racing man. So if you want to test like how stuff can go operate in the real world well <laughs> 10,000 kilometers of Dakar rally is like a hundred thousand kilometers of, of real world testing. You know, you just, you you haven't seen me drive. (laughs) 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 I tried to set you up for that. Well said. Well, (laughs) Uh,
0: well, dude, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. It's been, it's been awesome. Uh, I, what I would like to do is I'd like to have, if you can find me somebody that would like to chat with us after the rally, and we can and we can circle back again and at the end of January and, and get somebody's experience and hear what their story was on the rally that's going to be happening in just a few days.
2: Hey, totally. So uh, I will tell you already just one about one person right now. Um, yeah yeah. I, I, re- I reached out to uh, a woman named Amy Lerner and she's American. and she is, and this is right up your alley at the rally. She's driving a, a, a replica safari Porsche um, for the second year in a row. And, you know, she's not going to win. She's going for the experience. Um, And so I think that may be an interesting person for you to chat with. Um, So I'll I'll check in with her. Yeah, that would be great. I love that. I'm going to – I'll keep an eye out for another person who's uh, who could be of interest to you guys. Um, Someone who's not quite the gentleman driver or rather, let's say, you know, uh, I'm, I'm going to try and find someone who's, you know, made it their dream to do this and have, has gotten there. That's what I'm Yeah. Do. That would be I awesome. Like you know, you
0: get some of the, yeah. I, I love like the really professional drivers and stuff like too, but they're usually under the thumb of the manufacturers PR or marketing machine. And, and a lot of times it's like, Hey, we want to be on the phone during the interview with this guy. And I'm just like, mm, nah. And then I just, I don't even want to do the interview anymore. So that's, that's good to hear.
1: Besides someone yeah. who is doing it just as a passion and kind of almost an underdog story is more interesting anyways
0: yeah but at the same time you want somebody that still is competitive and wants to win you True. know like you, you, <laughs> you want someone that that's that still wants to do it josh thank you for hanging out with us i really appreciate hey, it man I, fun. I know you're busy i know you're about to leave so it was great to have you on to talk about all this stuff
2: yeah gosh I mean, we didn't even go down my list i didn't even get to tell you about like the truck on fire or like the two kinds of people on the Bivouac, Well, It the was Bivouac.
1: from the drone you lost. Obviously hit
2: the truck yeah, somewhere in, in the desert. Problem
0: problem solved. We'll, we'll, I'd love to have you on again, man.
2: I think we've got some more stories to <laughs> yeah, tell. Yeah, yeah, There's plenty more. There's plenty more to talk about. So guys, that, hey, it's getting late over here in, in Austria. So I'm going to go ahead and hit the sack. Um, looking forward to listening to this one when it comes out. Um, I hope you don't have to bleep out too many F-bombs. So <laughs> I we, don't, we don't bleep out any
0: F-bombs. They're, they live in the world.
2: Oh, yes. Good. Um, and uh, I hope to be in touch during the rally. And if I'm not in touch in the rally, it's because I'm either in the middle of the desert or asleep on the pavement somewhere under a truck. So I appreciate that. that. Well, maybe we
0: can give you the Overcast Instagram for like half an hour and you can walk around and, and maybe do some stories for us or something.
2: You you would trust me
0: with that? Are you sure? I would absolutely. Big time. As long as you're, well, (laughs) hey, I was going to say, as long as you're not pooping in the desert, but hey, you know, honestly. That might be interesting, (laughs) too. Uh, I'm down. I'm down. Just make it beautiful.
2: (laughs) Okay. Well, maybe I'll I'll pop you some stuff over an iMessage, which you guys can share onto about if I get time. I think I told you I'd do that last year, and then at the end of the day, I was always just like falling asleep with my phone in my hand, answering emails. That's how it goes, man. That's how it goes. All right. You take care of
0: yourself and be safe out there in the desert. All right, take it easy, guys. We'll catch you later. Thank you. Yeah. Bye right. bye. I want to go do this stuff, man. <laughs> I really do. All right, what have you got before us? Before we continue on? Yeah. Here?
1: Well, I don't know how shiny those cars are after they get back from racing the car, but Obert Car Care is your source of professional detailing compounds and supplies. the research tested and developed by professional detailers themselves. These are the guys that are passionate about it. And so they know what makes a good product. It's not just some random guy in a lab somewhere halfway across the world who doesn't know what detailing is. These guys know and they make a great product for it. They have their wheel cleaner, which I haven't gotten yet because Chris is still hoarding it from me. I am. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, <laughs> <laughs> they have their ceramic quick racks. They There's nothing I go through faster than wheel cleaner.
0: Nothing, really. Nothing. Well,
1: you don't other do, than water. do You do tire shine a little bit, a yes. very small amount, itty bitty. Just a nitty-bitty moment. I like the matte tire shine. <laughs> oh, there you yeah. go. And, of course, they also have their two-step detailing compound where you have the cut and buff has its own pads that comes with it in the kit. It's an awesome setup. You can find it over at oberccarcare.com, detailedimage.com, and carsupplieswarehouse.com. Be sure to use the code OVERCREST anywhere you're checking out because that gets you 20% off your next order. So what makes you think that I am going to be the impatient driver that just wants I just don't see you being very strategically aware of it's that a,
0: you don't see me like planning like a rally like putting it together yeah having no it doesn't sound anything it doesn't like, sound you. like me like no, putting a rally no. together
1: and planning everything and getting people together and uh, making a team and <laughs> it does, it's nothing i would ever do i think it's more just personality wise i could see you being like on the ragged edge and there's the guy right in front of you like, yeah i'm gonna get him i'm gonna get him i'm gonna get him and i'm gonna say no chris we don't want to be first next time and you're like i got him <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, that's that's very likely that's very likely true Um, yeah, I'd love to go to see the the Dakar. I'd love to just, I think just being, you know, one of the, my favorite places to be like when I go to road America or or a racetrack is being in the paddock. Yeah. I love being in the paddock where the people are and the cars are and people are working and wrenching and everything like that. I love the driving and, but I go and I sit at a corner and I watch cars go by and in about. Three seconds. I'm done. <laughs> right. I'm done. I, I, I'm done. I'm, it's just not interesting. Like if someone was to make an excellent passing move, I'd go, "Oh, that was cool." All right. Now, do you want to go get food? Yeah. Like because I just I really love being around. So the So you turn
1: into me basically. Uh, uh, y- yes, a little bit. <laughs> and like Josh said,
0: the stories happen in the paddock. That's where you right. hear the stories. That's where the stories are told. Maybe that's why I like to be there. I'm not sure. Well, I hope everybody had a a very happy Christmas. And I hope everybody has a very... Is that Christmas yet, Chris? Well, it, it's Christmas, Christmas Eve. No, Christmas already happened for everybody that's listening to this, Jake. When when is this coming out? This is coming out in a couple of weeks, just before the oh Dakar my Rally. Goodness!
1: Yeah. Okay. So, so everybody already all had right. I hope you got everything you wanted for I Christmas. I hope you had everything you
0: <laughs> wanted for Christmas. I actually <laughs> gave
1: you my favorite
0: tool for Christmas. Yeah. I, hope, I hope you've tried that out over the last couple of weeks and had, <laughs> and, and had fun. Now that we're talking in the past, future, whatever, uh, we're time traveling. This is this is basically uh, my favorite movie. What is it with with Inception, uh, Interstellar? Inception. We are incepting and and interstellaring all at the same time. Um, <laughs> just all of all, all the thing. Hope everybody has a happy new year. If anybody's out in California, I'm going to be there for like almost two weeks at the beginning of January. You should look me well, up. Well,
1: that's where you're going.
0: That's where I'm going. I'm going to go out with my wife. We're going to drive the car around and maybe I find gotcha. some things and explore around a little bit. Should be should be a good time. Um, that's all we've got time for today. I think next time we've got a history story. From Jake, yep, and he sent me a teaser today, uh-huh. which didn't even come through. So I, I
1: <laughs> that's even better uh, than. <laughs> he said, "Hey, I'm
0: sending you something," and then nothing ever happened. I so did I see know. it
1: got the little like red mark next to it, and I was like, uh, "I'm too busy. Whatever." <laughs> <laughs> <Seriously>? <laughs> All right, well, we
0: look forward to hearing that from you next week. That's it, guys. We'll see you then.